<laughs> Goedenavond. 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 Let's, uh, let's piss people off and do the entire thing in Dutch. Gewoon in het Nederlands vanavond. <laughs> Toch? Wie is ervoor? Wie is ervoor? I don't know. I don't know either. I, I, I know some Dutch people would greatly appreciate it. But maybe some people uh, from, uh, I don't know, elsewhere. So we, all, we are Columbia, four, for example. Four guys with Dutch accents tonight. <laughs> with heavy Dutch accents, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we were supposed to have Rebecca, right? She um, yeah. couldn't make it. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, she uh, just, nice. just cancelled because she has a, uh, some, a toothache. And uh, she was really um, sorry she couldn't be here. But um, yeah, so she'll be here some some other time um, and I'm let's sure uh, yeah let's all say get well soon to Rebecca get well Rebecca I'm sure you're watching <laughs> <laughs> I miss you <laughs> you can leave a comment Rebecca yeah yeah Rebecca can can uh, be in the comments if she yeah. wants um, so Robin have you ever uh, stood in for Rebecca before <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> I think we played at a party in the at Paradigm in Groningen uh, but uh no, I never stood in for Rebecca before, not in the, no. Okay, well, we all hope she gets well soon and hopefully she can yeah. come on the um, on the chat sometime. Uh, she told me she was working on some new studio stuff that she wanted to discuss. So, yeah, okay. all, uh, very curious to hear about what that would be. So, um, hopefully next time. But anyway, Reinier Zonneveld is here. What's up? Hey, man, how are you doing? All good, yeah? Good, good. And, yeah, definitely. Uh, Joris, Joris Voren. Hey guys, from his uh, spaceship and uh, and Robin, <laughs> of course. Hey everyone. So um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm just looking around. I see uh, Joris uh, in a very nice place. Why are your monitors pointed the other way? These, <laughs> these <laughs> are my way of monitoring. These are my uh, these are my 15-year-old monitors. They are the Genelec 30, 2031 or something something like that. Mm, um, yeah. My my um, barefoots are behind me. I mean, in ah. front of me, so you can't oh, see yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. But, yeah, these are for my final setup, and it's crazy, because if I, if I play them now, on, if, if I play 90s final, there's just no bass. I don't know if it's because of the, the records or if it's because of the, the monitors. They were, yeah, I guess, I mean, probably, I made so many, the so many records. <laughs> I'm, probably the records. The records yeah. as well. <laughs> but I made so many records on these monitors, and they always sounded amazing, and now when I have the barefoots, it's, it's crazy, like... I don't think I could make any tracks on this anymore. So, uh, so the barefoots are also like full range, right? It's like a speaker. That yeah, sit it's all uh, away from. It's almost, it's almost too much. Yeah, yeah, it sounds too good. Can you ever have too much bass? I don't know. <laughs> well, good well if, as long as it's in proportion, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you, I mean, you, the, you the problem is if you have too much bass in your studio, then your records are actually going to turn <laughs> turn out with no bass. So that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah, you get a lot of, I don't know if you get these questions too, but um, records that were, that were released um, sort of before the 2000s, sort of 90s stuff, um, people are these days ca kind of obsessed with, with the way they sounded, you know, but to be honest, you know, uh, <laughs> it for me, it was always like a, a lack of good equipment to work on or, um, you know, crappy mastering and stuff like that. You know, it's not, I don't think it was intentional to make them sound so crappy. And now it's fashionable. <laughs> oh, well, I don't think <laughs> your records ever sounded crappy. N never, ever. I agree. So. 
Well, but yeah, but there's clearly a difference in the in the level of production you can reach these days. Yeah, with true. Today's equipment um, compared to uh, the stuff that we used um, in the early days, I guess. I think if you listen to your Electric Deluxe record on Plus Eight, maybe that that was made in a time where everything was getting very. It was like a, like like the end of of a of a really good era for music, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, everything became over compressed, and um, mm. you can already hear in that record that like there's a lot in the mids, and there's not so much ba- so much bass. So I think compared to to nowadays, um, that would be uh, that would be remastered like heavily. I think. Yeah, it's funny. I've I've um, I've been uh, archiving some uh, some stuff that was only um, in my studio on on DAT tape. And uh, you know that that was that got mastered in, the, in back in the day. Ended up on vinyl and CD and stuff like that, you know. And um, but I still have the original recordings that were straight from my desk to uh, to the DAT machine, you know. And um, I recently um, uh, basically archived or digitized everything again, you know. So I have the original recordings. Uh, I've only heard the mastered versions and the the you know the final records um since i stopped working on them you know since so after the release wow. that was the That's only special. The, yeah, yeah but the thing is um the, some of them don't even sound as good uh on the the that sounds better in 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 some cases and even louder you know the the loudness thing the loud, sort of the pumping up everything make it louder is something f- that is sort of creeped in, in over the years but in in the, in the 90s that was really not what the mastering was about it was more like a sort of uh, making sure that all the tracks on an album were kind of leveled yeah, with each yeah. other you mm-hmm. know sort of sit in the right uh, um um proportion um mm-hmm. with each other rather than making it so loud that you the loudness of your cd was or, or vinyl was competing with uh, everybody else's um and uh, i must say some of the things that got mastered were done with like the very early uh adda conversion machines that were out there you know and they had an extra step of um you know uh, making it analog to do the queuing and stuff and then back to digital and uh, the quality of those converters, because they were so early days, early stages, were actually um, downgrading the music, downgrading the sound. <laughs> yeah, <a bit>. I <laughs> yeah. So listening to these old recordings, I was like, fuck, you know, this is, it's actually sounding much better than I've, I ex- ever expected them to sound. You know, like the unmastered versions, they, they have something special, some clarity and some definition that wasn't there in the, on the CDs. Yeah. Uh, ah, Rainier, I think you're getting um, wardrobe <laughs> comments <laughs> from our um, um, uh, very very active, probably the most prolific uh, Discord uh, member from um, on our Discord server. Yeah, so Rainier, I I don't know where the, where this guy gets the time to do to to be so active, <laughs> and he's still yeah. very productive as well. Anyway, yeah, if, I, if I would look in your, in your wardrobe, do you have like a whole line? You know, some people have like the same shirt like uh, 50 times. Is that the case with your shirt? Do you have a pajama <laughs> in the same style as well? Yeah, actually, actually I do. Uh, but uh, all the shirts are actually different. I have like 30 of them. But everybody else thinks it's the same one because it's the same style. But uh, they're, all, uh, they're all different. Is it, like a, is it like a sponsor deal that you have? Yeah. Or, or? Uh, no, no, I just really like them. So Okay, okay. And then you don't have to yeah. think about it. Then you just go somewhere and you just always wear the same same thing. Then you also also can go wrong with it, you know. 
Yeah, so <laughs> rather depends on your way of view. But some people think it always goes wrong with this shirt, but no. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Funny. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> so you, um, uh, you said he has he did something for. Um, uh, you had this uh, awakenings thing today. What was it? Was was what was? Yeah, that I was doing a, a cycling. Um, a cycling oh, yeah. for charity. It was a charity somewhere, I think, in in Africa, and um, I think people around the globe were um, were cycling. They were cycling in Watergate. I was in the Felix in Amsterdam. They were cycling in Ministry of Sounds, and then somewhere in South Africa as well. Okay. Um, How did it go? So, yeah. How many kilometers did you do? I think I was a, I was a bit late because I had to to record another stream earlier, and they were they were running late. So I think I did about twenty k, which is not too much. So it was like uh, maybe That's 35 cool. minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's good to see all these things happening. Um, you know, uh, like uh, I think one of the things that is, um, I, I, we, we discussed not talking about COVID too much, you know, or the, the crisis or whatever. Yeah, better. <laughs> but but it's, it, is, it is in a certain way, uh, you know, causing a lot of people doing um, really good things with, um, you know, people... Uh, having making kind, all kinds of initiatives, you know, to bring people together and stuff. And I found also uh, that it's uh, it's a lot easier and a lot more fun to connect with people because for some reason, because everybody's you know stuck at home or in their studios, um, yeah. everybody's kind of longing to uh, to connect with other people and um, and make the best of it. So the whole sort uh, of music industry. Yeah, mm. so like the whole music industry sort of um, uh, profile thing has become less important, and and you know it's it's more sort of easier and more genuine in in terms of connections, which is which is great, I think. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. definitely yeah. true. Yeah. So yours, you you um, uh, yeah, you were just talking about this '90s vinyl thing. That's a streamer you were doing, right? I mean, I saw you stream a couple yeah. of times. Don't yeah, you think I, it's I, weird? Don't you think it's weird playing in front of a camera instead of people? Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, did, <laughs> I, I agree. I, re I recorded a stream today for Elro here in Amsterdam, um, and it's just silly, you know. It's uh, the, the only good thing about it, it really is that is that you can actually listen to your music on a on a proper sound system. I mean. My my studio sounds really nice, but it's not a it's it's not a, mon a PA sound system, you know, or like a proper monitor like PA monitoring system. Hearing your tracks in between other tracks is is really nice. So that's that's a great thing. Even if you let's say if you're doing a stream, you know, uh, anywhere, even in your your own studio, like listen and, and mixing different tracks uh, with your own new tracks, that's it, it's still something nice, you know, because obviously that's what you're normally doing mm -hmm. all the time. Um, and I really miss that connection, um, knowing knowing how my track sounds in a club situation, or like even compared to other tracks. Um, that's yeah, that's, that's a great thing. But to be honest, the, the, the final thing, uh, I mean, the, the, the recording streams, it's an, it's almost like a necessary evil. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can choose to do it, or you can choose to not do it. You know? No, it's, yeah, of yeah. course, yeah, yeah, that's also true. <laughs> but yeah. people really appreciate yeah. it. People really do appreciate it. I, I get so yeah, many so nice comments from people, you know, and yeah. so, so, I think that's that's what I that's what I do it for. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think um, I've done a couple of them. Um, I mean, the ones in the studio felt more comfortable for me because it's my environment, and and they were uh, mostly collaborations with other people. So you have this social interaction going on, you know, when when you are collaborating, and and you're right, uh, yours. There is a um, when you see comments coming in, and you know you have an audience, and people are watching. That also creates kind of a little bit of energy or at least something uh, to sort of ride on, you know, like a, a little bit of um, motivation. Yeah. Um, mm. But I, what I think is the, the, you know, the ones that I've done uh, for promoters, you know, like uh, empty club kind of environments, that kind of stuff. Those were honestly the hardest, the hardest yeah. sets I've ever played, you know, because yeah. the, I think uh, in the beginning of the the downtime, a lot of uh, promoters try to do something just to sort of give something back to the people who were stuck at home, and and you know a lot of artists uh, they collaborated with them and uh, tried to do something nice, you know, just to keep things going. Uh, but what what most of the people I think were kind of misjudging is why do people actually go to festivals? Why do they go to clubs? You know, it's not. It's not only the DJ and there's the a show. social aspect as well. Yeah, the whole the yeah. whole um, uh, the, the interaction thing and the, the sort of collective experience is probably <clears throat> the main reason for people to go <clears throat> to to a club or to um, to a festival. What do you think, uh, Rainier? Because I saw you did a bunch of them as well, right? Yeah, just a couple. I did one stream uh, by myself on my rooftop here. It's yeah, I saw that one with a massive sound system. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how did you get? No, how did you? How did you not get in trouble for that? <laughs> Actually, we got in trouble because uh, <laughs> okay. I live in uh, outside okay. Amsterdam, and um, at first we had it was thirty degrees a day, and we had to get up the sound system, and it's like uh, six floors or something that you have to go up, and uh, oh. the guys from the uh, rental. Uh, um, uh, the audio rental company they said that's ah, fine we just bring it up and they come with two guys but every speaker weighed like 60 kilograms <laughs> so they had to walk up all the six stairs like 30 meters or something but it was like the whole day we were just like, with a couple of friends just getting all the speakers up and then we connected it and I always need like loud sound when I play because yeah, when it's low volume I don't really enjoy it as much and you don't really mm. feel the music especially when you play live when you have to level also the drums it needs to be loud for that in my opinion so uh, we had this full blasting on the roof uh, on the rooftop, and like after five minutes, there were two friends standing at the door to uh, sort of negotiate with the neighborhood. Where like uh, all these people in front of the door, like well, what, what, what the fuck what? is going on there? You know, and even uh, even the police chopper uh, flew over. Oh, at some point. Okay. <laughs> if it was not a party or something. But uh, luckily, it was only uh, one hour ten minutes. So uh, before they could shut it down, we already recorded it. It was it was uh, quite fun to do it. But uh, apart apart from that, I did. Uh, uh, Awakening, so it was really nice in the Gashar. You also did it uh, both, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Uh, and um, I'd say I also really enjoyed it because it was like 20 or 30 people crew, like filming and doing the audio. So it felt like there was sort sort of audience uh, mm. uh, sometimes. Uh, plus I did a stream for Tomorrowland uh, in Belgium, uh, which is also cool. They did a whole sort of editing around it to make it look like it was in a club. It was quite clever, I have to say. Uh, but apart from that. Uh, um, I think now also people are a bit tired with streams. You see that Facebook has mm -hmm. uh, uh, said that they want to sort of ban uh, DJ stream uh, streaming. So um, for now, we'll probably maybe upload at some point, maybe old sets on SoundCloud, stuff like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. And they, they need they yeah. need the bandwidth for adverts, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it, but I mean, yeah, it, it, didn't you find it hard to do? Because um, I mean, if if I play for an audience, uh, I can easily go for hours and hours, you know. But even yeah, yeah. even even a single yeah, because hour, because you get energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For example, when I when I did a stream at Warehouse Elementestraat, and I did like a build up and a climax or something, and normally <laughs> you have like the whole Warehouse Elementestraat uh, jumping up and down, and. Yeah. Now I had uh, three people all the way in the back who were doing the visuals. <laughs> <laughs> like, you could hear them shouting in the distance. And for yeah, the rest, yeah. every, there was no, no energy, you know? And no. I found that really difficult. It's also so hard to see where you take it, you know? Like uh, normally with... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, especially there's no live. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I always have to, like, to decide at some point when you go to the next stage and when you have an audience, mm. it goes really organic and you know, and you know what to do. You don't mm. even think about it. And uh, where you're just playing alone, you sort of have to really be conscious about how long you're playing something. Because especially yeah. uh, if you like something, it, it, it may feel like three minutes, but you're already for seven minutes in the track, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, normally with an audience, you immediately see and, and feel when you need to move on. So it's uh, it's different. I yeah. think I, li I did like the Awakenings one, um, um, especially because... First of all, the sound was amazing. The room was yeah. very special, and yeah. it really, and it was dark, and there were lights. You know, like it really felt like you're in a club situation. Just mm -hmm. no audience. Yeah, yeah. And you what I also the people almost. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I did like about it also was that um, you know sometimes when there's a big audience, you know, like you feel that the need to always just you know create another another climax, another you know just another big record. I have to say when I when I played the Awakenings. With no audience in the, in, the, in in that big room where I played so many times, mm. I felt kind of in a way more free, you know, just free to just play kind of whatever. Of course, I I knew what I was going to play. It was going going to be like a, a nice solid straight techno set, but I I didn't really make as many breaks as I normally would would feel the need to do, you know, which which is kind of yeah, liberating okay. as well. So yeah, I true. think there's there's something to say about okay. it. It's 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 a bit more. Then depends. I think uh, it depends on on your, your you as a DJ and how you play. Um, but I think it's it can be yeah quite freeing to mm. just just go for the for the music. In a weird yeah, I think I think it's also nice challenging when you have like an audience and you want to do certain things. You have many new tracks that you want to try out to get like a balance between uh, what you want to do and what uh, what what needs to be done to get the party uh, going. It's mm. also a really nice challenge, like sort of balance to. Uh, uh, on one side, have like what the what the room uh, demands, sort of, and what you want to bring in yourself. Uh, uh, that, that's maybe not really conventional, and it's a nice challenge that you miss when you just play for yourself. You know, mm. yeah. I, I think there's something to say for both. Indeed, what what Jorgen says as well. It's, it it it, yeah. it can be liberating, you know, to to not have an audience to cater to. Although, yeah, in, in, in my set, I found it a bit difficult, but but indeed, yeah, it's it's. It, it, I think it can definitely be liberating to uh, to just do what you like. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, in a sense <clears throat> when you are playing in front of an audience, you it is there is a func there's a functionality to the music, mm. and and uh, you are definitely aware of the. Um, like Renier said, you know, the you have to, the, you know, what you, you if if you have enough experience, you know what's going to work, and you know what what you can do to kind of uh, take a, a side road sometimes, you know. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I, I was I was wondering Renier because I've 
listened to your music for quite a while and kind of followed what you do, but um, it seems to have been going kind of all over the place for a l the longest time, and and now yeah. you kind of found your <laughs> your <laughs> yeah. uh, your vocabulary in a way, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's hard because I, I uh, always like to, to to make a lot of uh, uh, types of music. And mm -hmm. in the beginning, I was a bit struggling to find what works, and um, yeah, going all over the place for years. Uh, but by playing uh, playing live sets like a lot, like a lot of gigs per year, uh, just touring, and at some point, uh, this, yeah, you get like the sound that you always wanted to have. Like you have an idea of what you want to do, and then you can go deeper in that and make the variation in one style instead of changing styles all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but that having, having said that, um, I'm still now working on uh, aliases, like different uh, artist names that we're going to launch uh, when the parties come back again. So I'll do also um, uh, a me for melodic music, like more of the, the deep stuff that yours also likes to play, uh, to have like a separate artist for that. And mm -hmm. maybe uh, um, something really hard, like on the bit in the style of uh, the early um, 2000s and, and 90s hardcore. It's the really back now. So yeah, I'm uh, working on that too, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I think it would, with, with life, it's always uh, sort of, uh, you, you need the experience to know what you really want to do. At some point, you have a certain type of sound that you can really dive into and um, uh, yeah, see all the corners of that kind of music, you know? Mm. Mm -hmm. It's also a yeah. process, like also, yeah, like all in the beginning, uh, when I started uh, doing uh, live gigs, like, I think uh, over 10 years ago, like I also had a lot of sets that, that at some point you're, you were not able to have like the production quality that you need. So you focus a lot on that to get the production right. At some point you get lost in that uh, and you get way to focus on the production instead of just making the tracks you want, you know. And mm -hmm. it takes years of experience to get it to a level where you can do like, like I have the feeling now that when I play live, I don't even think about the production. I just know what to do and how to make it. You really think only about the music and the rest go, goes by itself. So then you're also way, way, um, in a way, way more free to express what you really want. You're not um, uh, constrained about boundaries of how you make things or stuff like that. You just know what to do and you can just uh, focus purely on the music. Mm. Yeah, I, I, um, I kind of uh, train-spotted uh, your setup a few times. It looks like you're yeah. bring, bringing quite a lot of stuff. I mean, the yeah. strategy I always take with, uh, with playing uh live i i mean I, I play live in several degrees you know i it's sometimes yeah. it's it's based on pretty much djing or playing looping tracks yeah. and stuff like that you know like mm -hmm. um sort of uh making new compilations by layering things yeah. and uh i i i always have an octa track but sometimes i also bring in 909 and some some other effects and things that run along yeah. with uh, whatever i'm doing yeah uh, hey marcus hey marcus <laughs> Um, but you know, for me, the key is basically to have a setup which is uh, which is uh, controllable enough to not even have to think about what you are technically doing. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. and and the flexibility to still be able to uh, take the very quick turns in 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 your sound. Hey, Fritz. Thanks, Fritz. Fritz. <laughs> <laughs> he likes your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Fritz is the guy who's uh, cutting the records, uh, the store records. Okay. Here. He's the vinyl cool. guy. So good to see him here. Um, anyway, so so yes, the, the balance between um, yeah being flexible and and not bothered by any technology that is sort of standing in your way and yeah. and uh, and still um, yeah compact enough to uh, uh, to have a lot of expression and a lot of uh, yeah. yeah ways to move around and to be quick, make quick yeah. decisions and stuff like that. So 
Um, do you feel you have uh, found the balance in that? Because you yeah, seem definitely. to be taking, yeah. taking a lot of stuff on the... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I have to say that luckily these days the promoters bring the 909 and the Moog and uh, the yeah. one, so I don't have to carry <laughs> them around anymore, which is really great, especially in airports. But um, I have uh, I basically use the same as uh, live set in Ableton uh, since I started. And every time I add mm. things or I change things, and the way it's set up now is uh, you have like uh, backing tracks, so when I've uh, finished a track in the studio, I uh, record one uh, version with just the kick and the bass and the sound effects. Then I can master mm -hmm. it properly, so I know the kick and the bass will sound good. And also, you leave the arrangement of the effects, you leave it in, so uh, that you don't get lost in the loop and play the same uh, track for 15 minutes, you know? So you sort of have an like, arrangement going on. And then um, in Ableton, I have, with Max for Life, uh, I have a sort of uh, a plugin written that automatically, as soon as I drag in uh, a backing track, uh, on the scene, it loads the presets that I made, for example, for the synthesizer or uh, the, the drums and stuff. It loads it in, and uh, then I can okay. including the it's like including the um, the MIDI. So it immediately has like the the main synth line loaded up with the preset, and then I can change the notes. I can change the sound however I want. You start with like how it sounds in the studio. Uh, so you, there you can go, yeah. So it's like a macro. You basically load macros. Um, yeah, sort of. But then in the machine, mm. it was actually I, uh, I got help from a friend who's uh, good at coding because it's really a pain in the ass to program <laughs> that thing. But uh, I got <laughs> yeah, it working. I and, yeah, yeah. And uh, so that way you can uh, stick uh, to the original if you want. Like especially when you have like a track that's really big and uh, people want to hear that track. I don't go too crazy. But sometimes you can morph really flawlessly by changing the MIDI, by changing the sounds. You can really morph into other stuff and uh, go to the next track. Um, and apart from that, I also have like, uh, I use four channels on the mixer, but it's all flexible. So with one press on the, uh, on the keyboard, actually, I have some shortcuts. You can change, for example, uh, to which channel the drums go. So if you're improvising, you can have uh, the kick and the bass and the drums of one part on channel one and on channel two, you choose to do uh, another set of drums. Mm -hmm. And then you can really mix it in like a DJ set and you don't have a mm -hmm. separate channel, for example, for the drums, because what I really don't like with lives, for example, you had, uh, uh, there's some live acts I really uh, like, for example, Geyser back in the days. Um, he did some really nice stuff on Minus, but his music is really suited to like combine loops because it's very uh, minimalistic. But uh, I found yeah. that my music, if, if I go like with loops, I tried it before, but it really sounds like you're going from one track to another. You know, you just play a new line in your arrangement and suddenly things change and it's not flawlessly. And I found that I wanted to go like to mix like uh, as a DJ, but if you do that in Ableton without um, sending out the audio to a mixer, it will sound crap also because you need a limiter maybe to control the levels and you're squashing everything as you go, you know? Mm. And uh, um, mm. when, you, when you can send everything like to a channel, you can still improvise and do whatever you want, but you also have the flexibility to at some point say, okay, this is now a track, I put it on the channel and then I just mix it like a DJ set. And yeah, it's way more fun. Since I started doing that, it's really, it really took it to the next level, so to say, yeah. Wow, mm. that's a, that sounds like a very um, nice custom way of doing things because, um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I totally understand the choice of using a DJ mixer for, for a live yeah. set because I see, I see a lot more and more people making that choice, you know, because it's a yeah, very, yeah. Con very contained environment, you know, there's not, yeah. not too many things going on. It's easy to keep your head around what's going on on what channel. And if you have like and a 16 see, channel, an yeah. yeah, if you have like a 16 channel desk or something, then no. <laughs> the, I, yeah. we've, I guess we've all done that. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah but, I still like it, but it's just too much work also to, well, uh, I think, like I to think connect it and... For me, like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's well. This, there's of course this the logistic part of it, but um, I think you know if you have so many channels to to take care of, 
um, with each with its own EQ and, and uh, auxiliary sends and levels and stuff. Yeah. All you end up doing is making sort of making the dub mix of whatever you're feeding. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. And yeah, you can also never, if your ears are tired from, for example, you're playing uh, uh, yeah. at a big festival, it doesn't matter how good the monitors are. It's not, after a half an hour, your ears are tired. And then I was found when I was mixing with the um, Yamaha uh, RM800, like an analog mixer from the 90s. And that I would always oversteer the hi hats and the cymbals at some point <laughs> to extreme levels, you know. Like, uh, because your ears yeah, get okay. tired. You have no idea what to do with the individual channels. And yeah, in, that, in that sense, it's way easier to use a DJ mixer because you just also see from the levels on the mixer, you can already uh, assess if it's like ballpark, uh, okay, what you're doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, and and, uh, and and it's it's more flexible because uh, it is like DJing with with uh, stems almost. You can uh, yeah, yeah, pre-listen yeah, yeah. as well. That that's what I, I like about using a DJ mixer in a live setup, is that I can yeah. I can pre-listen like, hey, shall I add, add this or that, and I can decide beforehand before mm-hmm. I throw something in. Uh, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um. So, are you sharing this uh, Max for Life thing? Uh, you want it? Yeah, I can. Uh, I can check it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, but it's, I, it's really I, dependent on the on the verses you use because I, I think it was at, uh, the Connect show. It was like with Time Warp and the Wiggies together last year. I was playing uh, before you, I think yours. Yeah. Uh, there, um, I updated uh, the machine in the Ableton, and then the Max for Life didn't work anymore. It also <laughs> needed like the exact code of the license, so I had to sort of via internet on my phone. I had to. Um, uh, time machine back to uh, to the earlier that day. Luckily, I could do it. Okay, but, well, uh, yeah, you can check out if it works. The next live, I will send it over. Yeah. No, it, I'm, I, I will probably not use it, but I'm just interested in how how it's uh, put together. I mean, the thing the thing is, um, um, you know, it's it's so personal. It doesn't even make sense to try to try to use it. You know what I mean? But I, it's I, basically I, a build around the uh, switching. Uh, it's like a workaround. Uh, you have like the patterns in the machine. And uh, the patterns and the individual uh, sounds per pattern, you know, in the in the grid, and it basically just switches to the right uh, pattern and the right uh, uh, sound in the grid. That's all it does. It's not about really complex. It's just a way to make that work. That it so, sort of selects as soon as you drag in a track, it selects the right um, taps in the groups and the patterns and in the and where the media yeah. is stored. Okay, yeah. sort of like media, how yeah. how system exclusive uh, used to work with MIDI, basically, just uh, you yeah, know, yeah, embed yes. embed. Yeah. Uh, um, um, yeah, things like uh, uh, preset locations and stuff like that. Into yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. You, got, you need to put in the MIDI all uh, uh, by yourself. So normally at the end of the week, when I uh, when I went to gigs, like the, the the Friday or the Thursday before you fly, I would quickly save everything from the studio, put in the new MIDI lines, tracks, and then line it up, and then uh, uh, um, you connect it basically to where the uh, which MIDI you should select per track, and then uh, then it works. So it's still a lot of. Uh, uh, a manual setup, actually. That is cool. So, so the, yeah. the stuff you no, take on okay. the stuff you take on, do you, you take on stage. Is it also the the same stuff you use in the studio to write your your tracks on, or uh, do you depends, kind of s- simple it down a little bit for your live show? Uh, it really depends. Like if there's this track that has like a very uh, uh, specific synth sound, you know, like the, that you really delve into the sound, sound design and uh, um, it got really detailed. I sometimes record audio part, like to have like multi, uh, how do you say, that you record different notes on, uh, on the keyboard from every synthesizer. But yeah, exactly that sound. Um, but uh, usually it's uh, yeah, like a ballpark, the same sound. I just make a preset in a synth that I can use uh, inside Ableton. And mm-hmm. for complex sounds, I just use a sample basically. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think for some tracks, I also have like the complete stem of the synthesizer. If it gets like 
really complex with a lot of modulation. It makes sense to have like also the original audio there, just mm -hmm. in case. Yeah. I think you do that as well, right, Robin? The stuff that you play live uh, uh, often ends up being the the track you release. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's that's what I usually do when I do a new live set. I uh, test a lot of stuff out. And then uh, if I'm uh, really happy with it, also how it, you know, maybe works for an audience or whatever. Or not, I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, uh, eventually then I decide to, to release it or not. Mm. Yeah. So so uh, yeah, uh, definitely. If something of mine gets released, it's it's probably been uh, been played out for for a few months already. To uh, yeah, to see if it's working and and how it works, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I guess you can adjust the um, the final arrangement or the final form. It it ends up yeah, yeah. In, uh, yeah. by by having the experience of. Um, yeah, sometimes you sit in the studio and you you think, ah, oh, this is such a nice uh, vibe or loop, and you you make it like five minutes, and then when you yeah. play it out, it's like uh, after two minutes you think, what the fuck is why is nothing happening? <laughs> you you, uh, you, uh, you you mix it out again, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 But your your yours, yeah. you said you you do um, you use uh, your DJ set sometimes to test your 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 sort of uh, demo stage tracks. Yeah, right? all the time, always. Yeah. Yeah. I, ne I never yeah. do that. Really? No. no. It's the best thing. It's you know one of the one of the best things about DJing, <laughs> about yeah. being a, a producing DJ is that you know you make a new track, you're very excited about it. You make I make either here in the studio or I make it even on the way to a gig, you know, and I play it out. And for some reason, the first time I play it, it's always the best time. Yeah, it's always extra special. Yeah. It's always that moment, and, yeah. you, and you know, you know, you're like, oh wow, this is really like people seem to be really much more into it than all the other music. <laughs> and then the yeah. next time, yeah, that's like, just because you play it a lot louder. This is unmastered. Yeah, that's actually the reason that I start playing live is, is to get the like the special feel and the kick out of uh, uh, making something, and then. Uh, like to see how that translates uh, in on a party, you know. Like I, I like it so much that I start to play only my own stuff. Uh, yeah, because it's a feeling I don't get with a DJ set. You know, I also like the DJ, but it's different. You know, and if you make something, you can adjust that. It's like always extra special when you share your own music. Uh, for me, at least. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That feeling when you make something new and you're looking forward, like fuck, and tomorrow I play a nice gig and I can try it out. It never gets old. You know, that's mm. really uh, why I do it. Yeah. I, I yeah, that's true. That's true. I remember the day that I made um, a track called MPX309. I made it in my studio, I think, tw 2006, recorded on a very crappy sound card, just my 909 and a 303 and uh, um, MPX um, reverb that I have in my studio still. And never actually, never actually used since, <laughs> since then, but that's a different story. <laughs> I, 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 made the, I made that. You should, I because it was quite a successful track. I, uh, yeah. And I just made that, and I was sitting in the studio, and I was like, wow, I think this is, this is a pretty good track. And I listened to it. Uh, I, I was playing at Fuse the, that night, Brussels. Um, and I played it about 10 times in the car, and I was like, oh, I think this sounds really good. On, on the night, I played it three times. I think um, um, <laughs> Stefan from News was playing after me, and in the middle of his set, I said, "Like, ah, can I play this track again?" <laughs> I played it again for the fourth time. Um, but that's that's you know these moments are like you know, unforgettable. Like if you if you just made something, I mean, with that track, there was I just made it. I I couldn't go back to any stems or change anything. I, it was done. It was just stereo recording. It was mm -hmm. just one yeah. thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, mm. one take. Uh, one take. Uh, I probably cut out like maybe a couple of minutes here and there, but there was nothing that I could do to it. And then the, it's amazing when it works, you know. And to have that feeling that you've that you've done something um, and that you know it's going to work. That's that's quite special. Yeah, what I think I was referring to more is. Uh, testing the sound in a club you know if if how well how the track sits in in context of the other stuff you're playing yeah and, and I I mean, d- yeah. I, that's that's what i mean that i don't do that because the thing is well, um sound system every club is, is different yeah, yeah. Say, every I, sound system is different so it's not a really honest yeah i would, I would go for, for festival check basically festivals are way yeah. better for checking because you don't have the room reflections you know if it's like open air yeah, without walls Maybe, maybe, but yeah. but um, but I I I don't. I mean, the, the uh, checking it for functionality, of course, you know that can work. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, uh, did you get the arrangement right? You know, the, how does it uh, how does it feel on blown up to such big proportions? That's that's yeah. something you can never do in your in your studio. But sonically, uh, I don't I don't trust uh, club systems more than my my monitors. You know, I don't I don't I don't get any more. Uh, information out of playing it for to check the sound in a club than uh, than but I do I, would, I do sometimes you know I mean? because because I sometimes I I have the I have the issue that I try to make something sound a bit too too balanced too nice too perfect and maybe also with the my my, my studio is quite like uh, well um, uh, um, calculated it's it's as it's like perfectly designed and everything so. Everything sounds too perfect. So as soon as I just open my 909, it sounds, I don't have to do anything to it. I'm like, wow, this sounds mm. yeah. fabulous, you know? And I get really excited. And then sometimes I get even to the, to, the, to, the, um, to, to the airplane and I listen to it next to all the other promos from that week. Um, I haven't done that for a while, obviously, but <laughs> I used to do that. <laughs> um, and then sometimes I'm really like, damn, this really sounds like nothing. It's just like it's very thin. I missed it. I missed a punch. I missed this. Missed that. And then when I listen back to it Monday morning in the studio here, and I'm like, what's that? Sounds perfectly fine. Mm. So I, I I get. I mean, this is a, a personal issue, of course, and um, I don't know who to blame for it. But uh, I I really am happy that I can check my uh, my tracks in the weekend, even if it's mm. on a crappy monitor system, because if it's still still works on that crappy monitor system then i might know you know actually this still sounds really good so so are the barefoots the only is that the, your only reference or it's or the only ones yeah i mean i have those and the and the genelex but i, I don't have them connected no but i mean so you don't you don't switch to different systems to sort of i don't check but okay. uh the barefoots have this little thing which is um, yeah, yeah, is, is that to make them uh, this to make them sound crappy yeah so to make them sound crappy which is a bit which is not really fair because it still sounds pretty good when you put it on cube which is which is the, the cube uh, reference monitors um, but that's more for checking if it sounds good let's say on a on a boombox or something um yeah but do you use yeah, that? It, is that something I, you... sometimes and but it doesn't really get me anywhere you know because it's just it also just sounds better sometimes. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> even because, better. You know, yeah, it's weird because then it takes out all the bass and then you just hear like a very flat but very crispy sounding thing. And you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Could just, this can just go on the radio like this. And then you mm, put yeah. it back to flat and then you're like, what? then everything booms into your face. And you're like, maybe that's a bit too much. But then you actually need that for a club situation. So I don't know, man. It's I think all this... Um, Mas- like like mixing and mastering tracks, it's still a headache for me. Yeah, just, uh, just a way of listening, I think. Also, with, mm. what I really like about live is that 
the sound is so loud that instead of hearing, like for example with the uh, uh, kick drums, I, I really mm-hmm. always focus on kick drums. For me, it's super important to have them good. If you if it's like so loud, if you're playing, for example, in Germany, I really love it. You have like Sisyphos and the Hammerhalle, like the, the it's like 120 dB or something, like insane levels. And then you can just instead of listening, you can feel the kick and the bass, and then you really hear the dynamics and the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. bass modulation of the kick. You don't you don't hear it, but you feel it. And sometimes mm-hmm. there's a really big difference in, in, in feeling a kick drum than in hearing it in the studio. It doesn't matter how loud you turn it up. You need like a big PA to, to really feel Yeah, no, ex- that's exactly, yeah. That's exactly yeah. what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. And then that's you, also the, what the, I... The yeah. starts vibrating and you know exactly, like, okay, this sounds exactly how I wanted, you know? Mm-hmm. So what what uh, kind of monitors do you use in uh, to check your stuff in the studio, Rainier? I have the, the PMCs, uh, the 8-inch ones, and then a subwoofer with that. Okay, nice. eight inch. Yeah. Which which are, are the MB ones, MB twos? No, it's uh, the two two eight. It's like a new one they made a couple of years okay. ago. Uh, okay. It's pretty uh, pretty nice. Uh, and uh, then with the subwoofer, because uh, without the subwoofer, uh, they're a bit uh, lacking bass. You get you really hear the bass, so you can hear uh, I think down to thirty hertz or something, and it's like really mm-hmm. precise, so you can really ha- hear what happens, but you don't feel it at all. You just hear it, yeah. and it yeah. gets a little bit boring. So I like to have the subwoofer on, uh, mm-hmm. and actually. I got a new room. I used to work here at home, uh, but the ceiling came falling out because it's an old home in Amsterdam. <laughs> and, uh, I, okay. I came back from <laughs> I came back from holiday, and it was like everything was white. Like the whole studio was completely <laughs> filled with stuff from the ceiling. So I had to clean everything down, and I was like, "Fuck, fuck!" It's taken weeks before it's fixed. And luckily, I could find uh, could find a studio space. It's pretty small, but it's the first time that I have a studio room that uh, where the subwoofer actually works. No- normally, I hate subwoofers because. It's Never sort of gels with the sound yeah. from the monitors, yeah. uh, but this is the first time that it actually—you uh, don't even hear that you're using a subwoofer. It really feels like it's coming from the speakers, yeah. and the mix has been translating really well. So uh, it's good because now I can have like the fun of uh, putting the subwoofer really loud and still have a mix that translates well. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. but I want to get like when I have a space uh, that's bigger. Uh, I was planning on uh, uh, maybe get uh, like an industrial an industrial side to get like a building and uh, to build a studio for myself and maybe eight or nine other ones that uh, I can rent rent out to musicians in Amsterdam because there's big lack of uh, studio space here. Good uh, idea. To build, yeah, mm-hmm. to build uh, to build like super nice big studio and to have like uh, the full range of speakers. And maybe also like uh, an old function one system that's really like beaten up like, from a club, you know, <laughs> just have it in the back to check to have still a PA feeling instead of just a clean monitor or stuff. Yeah, okay. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this plan, plan I had in uh, February, March, I wanted to do it. Then COVID came and I was like, well, uh, I, I saved my moment <laughs> for a while. <laughs> Better. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's VR. So, yeah, yeah, he, got, uh, he got my old uh, Mackies that I started using at the beginning, like the HR8 <laughs> or something. Um, oh, yeah. He's do- yeah, he's doing some pretty great mixes on them. Actually, I have to say myself, I fucked up all the bass on that. I don't know why, but uh, for him it works, so uh, that's great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, cool. We have a question coming in from Philip Zavi. Uh, for everyone, question for everyone. Do you guys prefer to record multi-track recordings or the whole stereo output from the mixer? Um, okay, yeah. Who wants to go first? Um, well, when I was when I was in the studio with you, Jochem, I think, um, which was a couple of months ago, I really learned how amazing it can be to record multi-track. Um, and it's something you did the I live session, right, on the stream? Yeah, together. kind of. Well, yeah. it was. I, yeah. I, I, we did. We did. We didn't actually do do a stream together. Uh, I, You're I, still I, invited, I, by the way. 
<laughs> yes, I, I definitely <laughs> want to. Um, I made a new mix CD, and I, uh, which is for for Global Underground, and it's Rotterdam. So I wanted to uh, to have an iconic Rotterdam name for collaboration, which is uh, Jochem, and uh, I, I did one with uh, Secret Cinema, Jeroen as well. Nice. But then we went into the studio, this beautiful storeroom, and um, it was amazing how you just uh, turn on, you, you just press record, multi-track on Ableton and record whatever, you know, we're doing. And then sometimes, you know, you're, you're really have, you're in the vibe on, on a, like a two-hour uh, recording that you're really getting something. And sometimes it's just some parts and stuff. I was, I was really inspired by that um, because before my, in my mind, it was always just about making, making the stereo mix, you know, just recording for my mixer. I also noticed you don't use a, um, a mixer. Which is which I found very interesting, and I, I couldn't really understand how that would work, but it does work. Um, and I think it's it it gives you a lot of freedom, but also like you're also limited to what you record. So of course afterwards you can edit, but it's and and I did that with the material that we created together, um, which is really nice because you can just take uh, some hi hats from here or some 909 action and then mix it with some synthesizer action from from another part. Um, and you can really blend it together and, and work quite quickly and still get like a really original um, organic vibe in, in, in a track, which is so so much different than when you lay out a whole arrangement of a track mm. and you draw the automation or even, you know, I only have two hands. So if I'm making um, like all kinds of movements with the 909 hi-hat and a synthesizer and, you know, like I feel like an octopus sometimes and it's just <laughs> kind of ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, but I think the multi-track in that sense is is, is super nice and convenient. Yeah, I, I I use Ableton in two ways basically. It's it's uh, at the stage where that you are describing the sort of the session stage. It's basically just a multi-track, you know, like uh, uh, stuff that is uh, set up for the session of the day. Basically, that happens, you know, sort of in the middle of the room over there. Basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's no fixed setup, so I I don't like to. I've had my studio wired up uh, in in one fixed way for ages, but um, somehow um, I'm I'm quite easily bored and easily dis distracted. So when when everything when something is the same for too long, you know, I I just lose interest. So I I for me it works better to uh, to start a new session completely fresh. You know, uh, there's all these patch points around the studio, so I can just jack in stuff going to the mixer or the sound card wherever I choose to choose it to go and basically build a setup for for that one session and then you know you end up with the system that you just designed so you you really know what you're doing because you just just basically designed the system yeah. and yeah. even if it stays there for a week or a couple of days or or for a longer time if it grows out of a basis a basic sort of setup that you've created for for uh, as a temporary thing you know and uh, that way you know, by just hitting record and have everything uh, uh, clocked to to Ableton, um, I even have like usually I have a fader on the on the master clock, so I can easily cha change the tempo during the session, or I can double it or or uh, half it or whatever. Uh -huh. So you, you can play around with tempos very easily. So you're not stuck to you're not stuck to a certain tempo or or whatever. You can just you know improvise with with pretty much every parameter in the setup. Uh, and but the thing is, you you know when you when you are just finding things uh, on the go, you know, just noodling around and and changing parameters on in your setup uh, and and sort of noodling and tweaking. Uh, there's always 
uh, a few moments or, or some moments during the whole recording where you think, ah, this is really a, a goosebump moment, you know? There's something, yeah. things start clicking and they start sort of making sense, you know? And um, maybe that's not the, the thing you were setting out to do, you, you had in mind when you when you started it, but um, but it happens, you know, and it's already captured when when you record it like this. And and like you already said, you can do, you know, the other way I use Ableton then is basically just to go back to the session, select the parts that that sort of uh, stuck in my mind from during the session, and then select them and kind of improve them. You know, sometimes just cut some of the of the the tracks out and or enhance them you know sort of do the cleaning up uh, compression whatever you know the yeah. sort of the enhancing of the th and sometimes you can even overdub afterwards but um basically that's a way to make music come together very quickly instead of um sitting in behind the screen and sort of slaving away and trying to you know build it up layer by layer you already have all the layers going at the same time and yeah, basically yeah. basically you um the, th the thing I don't like about building tracks exclusively in the computer is because you, you can just keep postponing your decisions, you know. You're just constantly lagging and, and sort of pushing the result forward by, by you know, keeping yeah, intervening. There's, there's no end to it. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you keep intervening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it can, it can become mm. like an endless, almost spreadsheet kind of job, you know. And um, to me, music is mo a lot about capturing a moment and, uh, you know, having a sort of authentic thing happening just something coming out of the air and sort of materializes in front of you and yeah. i think those are the the most precious moments mm -hmm. to um to capture and to work from and you know at least it gives you a starting point you know at least so uh, um uh, Jochem, how did you do yeah. this how did you do this with um with your your tracks on for instance g-spot were they all they, because for, to me they sound all like very calculated um they, they they feel like they've been written, you know. They're not. They don't sound like sessions. They sound like the, everything in fact, is, they are is in the right spot at the right moment. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, uh, yeah. In fact, they are. They they. I mean, the, obviously, they are kind of more. Some of some more work went into that um, after the fact, but um, okay. I would say that ninety percent still are coming from jam sessions or from sessions that are you know like loop recording loops like for an hour or something, and then. Uh, at some point you get to you get to know the the instruments that are playing and uh, the range mm -hmm. of the parameters that you can you can uh, manipulate uh, you sort of you you rehearse basically on the go you know so you kind of rehearse what what uh, what is uh, what is possible with this setup or with this this uh, collection of synths and sounds you know then you kind of get to know it uh, more intimate by tweaking it and playing around with them and sort of dubbing them out and stuff uh, and then um, at some point uh, yeah you you hit a spot in, in during the session when when you have like a good five minutes that sort of flows automatically and has a sort of natural build up and then you have all the access stuff like the hour before and the hour after that you can sort of move around and kind of cut in into a right place to make some kind of arrangement you know so even then was it was it was it a, i mean was that multi-track at the time with with dots or something or how did that work uh yeah i had these uh, hard disk recorder i had a hard, hard disk recorder so some mo it was mostly like sending up sending out uh subgroups to mm -hmm. um yeah to a multi-track yeah and uh so yeah the room room to sort of manipulate things was a lot 
uh, smaller because you have already have a lot of information per track. But mm-hmm. I mean, you find clever ways to do these things, you know, like uh, like you if you if you do if you record something to a stereo uh, mix, you can still do a lot with editing and sort of uh, EQing bits and sort of uh, yeah, just phasing first some parts that you want to yeah have, reverse like, it or, yeah, yeah. yeah or yeah. just you know make make uh, you know uh, make a break yeah. or building up a ten- tension even even if the yeah. stereo file is is just one sound you can do a lot of with EQ yeah. or even reverb or yeah. I don't know with whatever. Um, so yeah, so th- there there's also many ways to manipulate uh, recorded sound afterwards, but um, I've so, never. Yeah, I've, I've always, I've also had moments where things just were a stereo recording, and that's it. You know, that's that's also. Um, yeah. So um, for, I'm I'm really interested in this because I'm so I'm so, I think nowadays we're so spoiled with Ableton. You know, everything is possible. You can, if you do it in the box, you can always go back to whatever you were doing. Yeah. Like I always, like every morning, I start with a, even if I work on a track from the day before, I. I save another version, you know, it's version blah 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 sixty three or something, and then every every <laughs> hour I answer to those versions or not. <laughs> <laughs> I always like when I'm working on like the most weird things, and then the next day I look at it and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of ridiculous, you know. And sometimes I'm wondering how were all these iconic uh, iconics um, records albums from the nineties that have all these iconic tracks you know that that are memorable that that really have themes in them they sound like they've been very much thought about i'm thinking about like the orbital um um records underworld for instance you know like the the really the, the solid techno albums they did i think Jochem, your your albums they really sound like things that i i think still sound memorable and um i'm wondering if they were made I mean, you you couldn't go back to to these tracks, right? Like if you or you had to keep them on the desk or something, or how did, how did that work? Unless you recreate the setup, you can. I mean, yeah, I guess, but it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's something from the equipment. <laughs> yeah, well, how? Like with a thirty-five millimeter camera? <laughs> or, um, or maybe maybe they they recorded it like on on proper multi-track recorders and edited it afterwards for a bit. <clears throat> but I also think, like in the case of Orbital, <clears throat> I think there are a lot of uh, really nice captured moments. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly the, the process behind, um, for example, the Orbital albums, but they sound pretty live to me, you know? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't yeah, think they... Yeah, I yeah. guess, yeah. I mean, there might uh, be some multi-tracking going on, but it they, they sound like performances or um, at least uh, punching yeah. stuff in and out of the mixer and stuff yeah. like that. And they might not all be like that, you know? There might be some sort of stereo editing or even multi-track editing going on. But, uh, but the thing is, um, yeah, like... If I come back to what do you actually want to do? You, I mean, for me, music is capturing a moment where, uh, mm-hmm. where something authentic or special happens, you know. And um, I think if you if once you start treating making music as um, yeah, like an accountant's job, you know, <laughs> it becomes um, it becomes a job, you know. And I think you know, mm. I, I would I would totally miss the joy and and the pleasure and the the, the high of uh, creating something because um, yeah, after all, you're you're uh, you're trying to express something, and if if you if your only way of expressing is by incrementally layering things and move making slight small 
uh, incremental changes in something, you lose the connection with the idea or you lose the connection with the actual um, story or, or um, mood that you want to capture. I find mm -hmm. to myself anyway. Yeah. So, so um, you know, basically the, the whole way I've worked for most of the time and especially in this room, uh, this, this room is basically the, the, the final conclusion or the conclusion so far of all the ways I've tried to make music, um, you know, uh, by sort of ditching the things that didn't work for me and by enhancing the things that did work for me. And I find the, the, yeah, the spontaneity and, and sort of pureness of, of capturing something is, is best done by just performing them and, and capturing them on the go and then enhance yeah. them afterwards. Yeah, I have a sort of reverse way of working. Like when I have an ID for a track that's good, you know, like in my head, I just uh, drop everything I do and just grab my laptop or whatever I have, even my phone, you know, to, to write it out as quickly as possible, like within 10 minutes to, to write out the ID and that I can remember it. And then later I produce it in the studio and I just start from scratch in, uh, uh, in Ableton and I just recreate exactly what I had in my mind. Oh, uh, what, so what do you what do you write write out? Uh, do you write the notes or do you? Yeah, I usually just sing it in my voice now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, uh, and you uh, slept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my camera. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll be. Um, <laughs> get I really like this screen. I'm very old school. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first on the note with Liz. Overheated camera. Yeah. Yay! Hey, he's back. <laughs> yeah, this is the this is my regular camera. I mean, this is my Mac. Ah, uh, you you look just as good uh, with this camera. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but that's interesting. Yeah, so you yeah. sing stuff to you, or you talk, or whatever you you, you yeah, use. Yeah, like, for example, like I, I just record like a sort of uh, boom boxing the drums and uh, yeah, yeah. try to sing a synthesizer and then write in everything that's important uh, or I think is important to uh, remember the ID because. I found that if I don't um, record it in some way, I always forget it. But if you have like some sort of uh, uh, yeah, like a note to yourself how it sounded, I can sort of remember it still the next day. Uh, but usually I just go to my studio as soon as possible, grab my laptop and quit whatever I do. And I just try to make a really fast in 20 minutes, like sort of basis of the important things of the track. And then I have that and I finish it later whenever I have time or whenever okay. I feel like it. So you still have like the spontaneously of, of, an, uh, yeah, of something that cre was created in the moment somewhere in your mind, but mm -hmm. uh, uh, you, yeah, just produce it from scratch then. Yeah. And does it work? Does it always work? Or do, do you end up with, do you use it as a starting point? Like, okay, I have this idea and, and I sort of uh, beatbox it to my phone and then, yeah, and then it, <laughs> it turns, out something com yeah. turns out something yeah. completely <laughs> different. Yeah, yeah, I used to have that a lot, but uh, the last years I've sort of, sort of uh, uh, timers set up uh, in my head. I used, I used to have them as like timers on my phone. So, for example, on the drum beat, I can only spend 30 minutes. And hey, man, you should, you should do an album with yeah. all, your, all your, uh, your phone demos. Uh, actually, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm plugged. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes I mix the beatboxing with the drums, actually. But um, um, yeah, it's sort of timer setup. So I say, for example, I can only spend one and a half hour on the on the synthesizer on the sound effect, stuff like that. You know? Ah, and, so you uh, have yeah. a very uh, a very uh, rigid. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, it used to be like this, but uh, um, I, now I don't use the timers anymore, but I have them in my head. So at some point I know, okay, fuck, I'm going to switch the ID now, and then I just stop and go back to what I had, and I go from there. It's just like sort of putting restrictions to yourself 
to not uh, get entity loss in what you said, you know, that you get dragged away by something and you, mm. you end up with something completely different. So in a way, that's a bit the same as uh, improvising because you try, uh, you have an idea and you try to put it on uh, on file, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But I, I would like to have my uh, live set uh, multi-track, but I don't do it because yeah, for me, it's too much work to, to manage all those uh, uh, files, you know? if you <coughs> So even recording my sets, if you, if you play a lot of gigs and at some point I just... Yeah, I just don't want to have it recorded, and uh, I, they will send me the recording later or something. But I always find when there's something really nice going on in the live set, I try to recreate it, but I'm never able to. Like, yeah. I, I think I remember how I did it, and then you're in the studio, and it's not the same, you know. And I just don't bother with it anymore. I make something else. Mm. Like to recreate something that you improvise is like really hard in this sense. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because it was yeah. basically a moment, and it it yeah, worked, yeah, it yeah, worked yeah, there exactly. and then. Yeah, it worked yeah. there and then, and not necessarily yeah. uh, somewhere else. Recreating yeah. something is probably the hardest thing you thing you can try in the studio. You know, if I don't yeah, know if you've ever yeah. if if yeah. you've ever lost a track like a crash or something or uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I mean, I think we've all made that mistake. If you if you then go back and try to recreate what you were doing before, impossible. You know, yeah. It's just no it no way no <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do sometimes with uh, when I, I do like some remixes in my uh, because I'm playing live, but sometimes I also want to drop in a track that I really like. You know, for example, classics and stuff. Uh, I used to always recreate them first because I, I did a remix for uh, the PPK uh, track, the Resurrection, um, and there there is no multi track of that that you can get. Uh, so I, I first recreate them like to, to make like recreate the track as good as possible. Ah. Then I make parts from that and then I remix that. You know, but that's <laughs> yeah, also like yeah, but that's that's just the way uh, like to be really focused on uh, um, uh, how do you say it? like to be really structured to really listen to the track instead of um, sort of getting too lost in the idea of the track or how you feel, but you really have to like, uh, uh, how do you say, like sort of uh, scientifically listen to it. Like to yeah, really get, go familiar. get familiar. Exactly, yeah, yeah. To yeah. really hear what's going on instead of what you think you're hearing, you know? Mm. But it's good practice, like uh, to, to remix those tracks, and also Age <coughs> of Love, for example, and, and uh, by trying to recreate tracks, you really get a good feel of uh, how things were done, you know? So it's quite interesting. Yeah, I cool, think yeah. it's. I think some yeah. tracks are easier to recreate if you're recreating uh, like someone's modular techno uh, uh, session. It yeah, might be a more part. complicated yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something that was made yeah. on uh, synthesizers you know? and a drum computer. Yeah, like the ambient mm. stuff. Uh, like the ambient background sound effects. I think uh, Jochem, you also use a lot, lot of field recordings in the tracks, or not? It's just modular. Sometimes. Yeah, like that stuff is impossible to recreate. Like yeah. it's so complex, you, you cannot do that. So, but that are also the parts of tracks that you didn't and shouldn't commit on. You just let it go. That sound effect I'm not going to make. You know, just focus on the rest. Mm. Mm. I actually had to recreate some tracks for my Global Underground mix CD because uh, we just weren't getting the um, getting the licensing done. Um, yeah. So there was an there was a Square Pusher track that I couldn't get um, licensed for. Which one? Warp. It's from the latest from his latest album. Um, I, I forgot, <laughs> I forgot the name. <laughs> but it's. I mean, I just used the intro, mm. which is fairly easy. I mean, he always uses the one on one or two or two. And I know kind of how you know how to make that sound. That's, so that's that's fairly yeah. easy. Then it was if you just listen to to all the you try to kind of like separate all the different parts in your head, yeah, you yeah. Know, like by listening to it, it's, it's it works quite well. And sometimes, uh, and also, I had to recreate something else um, by Alex Cortini or something that also didn't yeah. couldn't get the license. Cortini. Yeah, exactly. 
in the end, I um, I actually managed to to make a track that sounded a little bit similar, but actually sounded fits fit much better in the mix and sounded a lot more interesting. So. Um, yeah, that was that was interesting, and also I recreated um, some other tracks. Like I recreated um, a human beings track. Um, I think that was on your label, was it, uh, Jochem? Uh, the Matrix. It was that your label, BMU? No, or not? no, no. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Is yeah, oh maybe I, was that on no, your no, label? No, 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 no. That sure. was uh, the Matrix was on uh, on Evolute. No, it was on uh, Marcel. What's his name? Marcel Martin's label. I don't know. I don't remember the. Yeah. the name of the label but it was uh yeah uh, but, but i think that for instance that track is it's a classic dutch dutch uh techno track mm. and it's very very easy to recreate because they're all like very well like easily played you know um wave station kind of kind of sounds and then it's not not so complicated um but it's it's interesting it's actually it's, an sq80 oh really and sonic <laughs> well, actually yeah. it's yeah. Uh, was it I was actually in in, in contact with alert, alert about it. Actually, um, I've got the whole list of stuff that is made. I actually, <laughs> the thing is, I I did I did um, uh, there was something going on with the track because when I was cleaning up my dead archive, I found the original master of uh, the Matrix. Oh, really? I, I had it. Yeah. So oh, wow. and I still owe it to Alert to. Uh, you know, I, they're going to re-release it actually. In um, okay, in I should get in touch February. with him because. It's still kept in a safe place here. <laughs> oh, nice! Uh, but we had this conversation. I don't know where it is. I sh I shouldn't even bother looking it up. But the, we uh, we discussed whatever was used there. So uh, yeah, I think nice. there actually, was Sonic and Sonic stuff it, going on. It was yeah. also the Yamaha TX81Z. Yeah, 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 exactly. Which, yeah. Uh, which I bought afterwards to recreate the, <laughs> the baseline because I couldn't get it, get it done properly. It's just a yeah. solid bass or a lately bass, but it's yeah. From the actual yeah. machine, it sounds better than anything else. Mm -hmm. yeah, I always really get a freak out on like the hardest thing for me to recreate is like glides and slides, you know, like uh, mm -hmm. portamento stuff that, that's so dependent on the setting and the synthesizer used. It's like almost yeah, impossible, true. you know, like the slide, the slide patterns that go all then usually it's better to give up almost because you can never know which notes were played and how the portamento was set, you know, it's super hard. Mm -hmm. It really depends yeah. on the track with that kind of stuff. And also when you have yeah, a certain synthesizer with a really particular sound, you always need that one, you know, it's, uh, yeah. It's a bit of a kind of a hit and miss thing. Uh. Yeah, I I don't think I've spent much time re trying to recreate other stuff, so I wouldn't know. But um, it sounds it, it does sound interesting. It does sound interesting. Pretty fun to try. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, you, I mean, you're right in the sense that it it it'll definitely teach you uh, skills, you know, because it's a very it's a very simple single uh, purposed uh, assignment. Basically, you give yourself. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. It's almost like a like a school assignment, you know, like let's yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a job after all. <laughs> I thought we were all trying to get away from jobs, but yeah. <laughs> like admin day. Yeah, admin day. Uh, hello, we have a What's question this? from uh, Niels. No, I didn't know record anything. Did you record your live sets of a day at the park? So yeah, this was my only or, only um, only festival this year in in the Netherlands or like periods. Um, it was filmed, right? No, I wasn't filmed. Yeah. No, 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 oh, it wasn't streamed. It was no streamed. Yeah. But okay. it was a socially distanced uh, festival, which was which was fun, but a bit weird as well. I didn't didn't record it. No. Oh, uh, the reason is because I played too many tracks that um, oh, yeah. that the, are not released. Uh, yeah. 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 No, they, they were just not released, and I, oh, I okay. don't have a don't have a reason to to put it out at the moment. So. But yeah, no. 
<laughs> Summer jazz. Okay. <laughs> Favorite skateboard tricks. Let's go. Uh, I don't have so many. I'm too old to learn uh, new tricks. <laughs> you can't t- teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> no, but I, I, after, like, when I was young, I was never able to do a kickflip. And two years ago, I started skateboarding again. And I, I, I was able to do a kickflip, but not really good. And I, it's getting better. But it's it's a very bread and butter kind of trick, but it's it's pretty damn difficult. <laughs> do you also do half piping or with it or just like yeah, just well, you, skateboarding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, I always go to Seeburg Island um, or um, Marnix Bowl in Amsterdam, some okay. or, uh, skate park north. Yeah, that's a great skateboarding in Amsterdam. We have a question from uh, I think it's Hulon Pate. Uh, he's posting this to YouTube. Uh, anyone recommend a good all-purpose but air effects pedal? I don't know what he means by. Yeah, I was air. also thinking like air, air effects. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe for know. clarity in the eyes or something to boost the height, maybe to get a height. Uh, yeah, possibly. Yeah, and the air. Yeah. But an all effects effects an all-purpose effects pedal. The, I, end, the end. The end. All effects. <laughs> yeah, I, there, there's there are a bunch of these um, these uh, boxes coming out recently with um, multiple effects i want one, one from eventide you know this this white uh, eventide pedal that you can program yeah the h3 or something yeah H3, something like it, that yeah that's one that's a good one but there's another one from um uh, the duo x by i forgot the name what is it the name again? The, the black one no it's um let me see it's actually um i posted it on discord the other day yeah i uh, i saw it yeah let's see um <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh horn <laughs> air horn effects uh, we have to ask uh, Fritz for that because I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> and someone horn. has an analog air horn available no, it's a, yeah so the, the one I I, I, uh, I was referring to is probably not answering this question though but um, like a multi multi-purpose effects pedal the uh, mod devices um, yeah mod x do a mod x or something mod oh X2. I have that actually oh cool yeah it's, it's like it's um it's basically a, a computer inside a pedal and you can yeah. Yeah. kind of you I mean, kind of wire things together and and uh, make your you own like setups. I haven't used it. I I tried using it. Um, <laughs> I plan okay. to just bought it and for putting it there. <laughs> I'm probably not doing Mod Effects a favor. Um I I didn't get sponsored so I don't feel any yeah. obligations to say anything. Uh um but it's a really nice idea, and it's kind idea of idea is amazing. Yeah, builds I, I on like the the idea back in the days, the North modular uh, idea. Oh, yeah. But it's much more complex. You can do actual, actual delays, which you can do with the North modular, and it's you can do any effects. The problem is that they're kind of user based, you know. So usually, a company would release an effect that has or a plugin that someone has been designing, someone that actually knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I feel I felt the duo, um, the mod duo things were very basic bread and butter things that didn't sound. They sounded like very early VSD plugins oh, yeah. from like twenty years ago. But it's up to you to make some. Yeah, if you want to put in, the, preset. if yeah. you want to put in the time to make presets for that and just forget about making music, then that's great. But well, probably another five or ten years and it's not for me. I mean, I can... from the 90s. So. Mm. <laughs> I do have some yeah, extra time on my hands, but not not for for designing plugins. I yeah. think for, for, for these things, it's uh, this is probably early stages for them. And uh, some 
community will develop around these these kind of ideas you know where where they <coughs> where it's sort of databases of user um presets and and user patches will will be posted so then it can become really really interesting yeah, yeah. I, I i i guess it's a bit like reactor it could be a bit like reactor you know where yeah, users yeah. yeah create their own but to be honest it's also difficult finding user user uh made um uh, presets and effects on 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 reactor that are very very effective well you yeah. know they they're often very good starting points you know they are yeah it's true yeah, yeah. I've but then again, if you me, use like, a, if you use a pedal, you know, like you want it to just just work, you know. I mean, yeah. if if you're in it for for the experiments, then that's that's all nice. But if you just want, um, if you just want an, a nice phaser delay or reverb or what whatever, you know, then then you might just better be off like buying a real pedal for that. And what would be your box of choice to do air horns then? <laughs> That's a, that's, well, a that well. <laughs> that's a big question. That's a big question. No, but for me, for me, like an effect box, I, I, I like them the other way around. Like something that's super focused on one thing. Like for example, like a pool tech EQ or a SL compressor. Just four yeah. knobs, but just to make it sound better, actually. Like yeah. things that you cannot get, for example, uh, out of a computer. You know, not complex stuff, but just something that sounds really good. Yeah, and okay. It's like good at one thing. That's for me my favorite effects. And like. The complex stuff I prefer to do it in a computer, you know, because if you mm. want to get complex and go deep on it, the computer is for me way better, you know. But you have like mm -hmm. these, these boxes and devices, and even something like a 909 for me is like that. It's like pretty simple, not flexible, mm. but it sounds always good, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and like all these pedals, but also like you have the gear from uh, Electron, which I really like, but uh, I, I don't use them live because it feels like you're controlling a computer with all the menu diving on the machine room, mm. for example, and stuff. You want to change something, and you have—you're basically controlling a computer. Mm. It's like the stuff that's simple and uh, like uh, one purpose almost, you know. So well, you're not, you can, you're you not can... a modular system, modular system kind of fan. I, I really like that, but I, I, I uh, actually didn't get it because all my friends who have been using modulars, they were just recording 12 hours a day these channels. <laughs> <laughs> they actually sounded like air horns at some point. And then like a recording of 12 hours of that. Yeah, I will cut out the good parts later, but then the recording is so big that at some point you don't even have time to, re to oh. listen to the recording at all, you know? Yeah. So for me, that's like sort of, uh, how do you say it? Like a sort of crack uh, variant for music that I don't want to dive into. So uh, I really decided not to go with uh, any modular stuff. It's just too much fun, I think. Yeah. Well, but yeah, you, you sound like you're very, a very disciplined guy, so I'm sure you can, you can find ways to, uh, to make it useful for you. I mean, it is, it yeah. is true. It is a very, it's like a complete vortex you can get lost in. And, yeah. and, um, but if, if, you, if you have a, um, a smart way of, of dealing with it, like if you record, yeah. I mean, 12 hours is ridiculous. You will, you'll never be able to go back yeah. into it and, and so yeah, exactly. discover, yeah, yeah. discover all the subtleties that were going on. It's yeah. better just to do one hour and then go get to work with it straight away, you know, instead of yeah. uh, leave shelving mm -hmm. it. And, and yeah. yeah, that's just a strategic thing, I think. If you, if you, yeah, maybe I, sh I should yeah. dive into it at some point. Yeah, but I yeah. was always a bit, a bit afraid of the modular. <laughs> but, but what, what, uh, so, so you're a, um, an outboard. You, uh, box user what kind of what kind of stuff do you use and for what purpose really really depends like there's tracks of me that are like 100% analog like uh, I used back in the days also to mix everything on uh, analog boards and then like mm -hmm. separate sub mixer for the drums and like this old uh, old equipment that before analog got uh, hyped you know like um, before 2010 you could pick up for almost nothing at a, uh, at a pawn shop or at a market you pick up all the equipment and I had like 
bunch of them that I would use for separate things. So, for example, I have a drum computer going in, in this old mixer from the 80s that sounds really dirty and nasty. And uh, that mixed it all together. And nowadays I use... Uh, it really depends on what I want. If I want to have a 101 or uh, a mode, I just use that. Uh, but I find also that I, I enjoy to work on a lot of uh, software plugins. So it really depends on the track. But I, I do have like all the classic Roland stuff I have it uh, set out and uh, 303, 101, 909, that kind of thing. 6-6 also. Um, Moog, some stuff. I think uh, uh, my girlfriend actually got me synthesized for my birthday, which is really nice. Oh, like nice. this, like, uh, <laughs> the, the, the D-Fun, you know? That, uh, and oh, it yeah, actually yeah, sounds yeah. good. And uh, so I have a bunch of synthesizers and I also complete uh, a closet in my studio completely filled with all this analog old crap that I almost cannot be bothered to connect again. But sometimes you, you take out this little delay or actually big delay like the, the, the DRS 7.8 or something like the, one of the first digital reverbs and just like okay I'm getting it out today and see what it can do and then you always get mm. like uh, a lot of inspiration from kind of sounds that you normally won't get in the box you know mm. so uh, for me it really depends on the day and uh, yeah also I really like outboard effects like uh, EQs and uh, yeah that was mainly. that was actually what yeah. I was referring to like uh, yeah. what what kind no, no, no. because you mentioned SSL and, and yeah, yeah SSL the, the, the G series the compressor 4, like the one that was on the yeah exactly yeah. and uh, the Pooltex uh, the equalizer uh, I used that I used it all the time I have it connected and basically if I want to uh, give something a bit more bass or a bit more uh, air so to say mm-hmm. <laughs> I use that because it just sounds super good and uh, I'm a super big fan of the distressors I have uh, actually bought yeah. a mono one but then uh, it was so good and I just, like I just record left and right separately but now I, I got another one so I have stereo and basically so much stuff is going through it even just give it a bit of uh, you can make a, a VST sound analog just just by passing it through it, and maybe one dB mm. of gain gain reduction. And for for drums, it's like sort of secret weapon. Uh, doesn't matter what you produce, not techno anymore. Or hip hop, or <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh fuck, <laughs> yeah. But it's uh, yeah, it, that's like I, I love it. It's like everything you put through it, uh, you can you can make it sound dirty. You can oh, nice, uh, you can. Yeah, it just sounds so good, you know. I even put like uh, the whole master bus uh, sometimes through it. Just because it melts everything together in a very dirty way, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have them too, yeah. and there there are uh, I think three settings of saturation. Uh, yeah. Th- three levels. Yeah, and and uh, yeah. Um, if you use them on a bus, it's sometimes funny to even try the nuke setting. You know, the the blue yeah, yeah, LED. The nuke, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. if even just to see the blue LED is is uh, giving me uh, satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> uh, I have to say, I always put it in British mode. Like it has the normal mode in the British one. But I yeah. like the sound of the British uh, mode way more because it's it's more aggressive and faster, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're amazing. I think there was a yeah. question, Sander. Maybe you could put it back into the yeah, the, the digital uh, the directed plugins. to. Uh, yeah. Oh yes, yes, the, uh, yes. From uh, Wesley Umland, what software plugins can you advise Ryanair? Yeah, it depends on what you want. Like uh, uh, I, I advise a lot of people who make music uh, instead of uh, uh, using like many new plugins. Just try to make a track. If you use Ableton uh, um, and you have like the, the analog and operator, like the standard Ableton things, just um, limit yourself to using only the plugins of your uh, of your of the program that you use. Because uh, by getting a new plugin, you're always like before you're really familiar with it and you really understand what it's doing. It will take mm-hmm. you days and days of trying it. And sometimes it's better to just use like a sort of limited set of uh, and, and just dive into that. So instead of getting a new plugin, yeah. you should just learn what you have. Yeah. 
It is something that it's yeah. funny you say it because every time the same thing comes up, you know. I mean, the people yeah. who are aspiring to make music, they, yeah. they kind of get get uh, blinded by the limitless amount of possibilities. What should I get, you know? And, and they ask people yeah. like like us, you know, what should I use? But yeah. uh, it, the the tool doesn't really even isn't really that that important, you know. What tool you use, as long as you get to know your tool. Uh, very well yeah. and 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 understand it and and try you know get your head around it. I mean yeah. you know it's like you know if you, you can say okay you're, but you're sitting there with all that gear you know, <laughs> but um, mm. but it's, yeah, but it's you true. Spend a lot of time in each device, right? Like I spent I spent thirty years ah. getting to know all the stuff yeah. that I'm, I'm and I and I and I I still have a lot to discover. I, I I'm totally honest about that. You know I don't know half half of it. You know what what it's actually doing to to the fullest, but. Um, but um, yeah, it is. It is definitely true uh, what you say. I mean, get one instrument, and it doesn't even matter exactly which one it is. No, you know, just one that, is, that is flexible, and but really get yes, to know it. You know, just spend spend time yeah. with it, make yeah. the hours, you yeah. know, and, and try to get the most out of it. You also learn a lot from it. For example, say you use uh, only DX seven, and you try to make everything like from drums, pads, uh, uh, leads, basses, especially if you start doing things that. Synthesizer is not designed for. For example, uh, you go with a, a um, say like a drum computer, like a Vermona or something. Maybe you know the DRM one, like mm-hmm. something that's focused on making drums. Try to make uh, a bass line with that, or try to make like a synthesizer pattern. And because of the limitations of the machine, you actually find things that are super nice and yeah. actually easy to do. But you would never think about it. And for me, that's like the magic part in producing that you try to use a piece of equipment that was not suited for, you know, and you come to mm-hmm. new insights, like, fuck, I can also make something like this or this. And uh, uh, it's also very inspirational, actually, to limit it. So, Renier, did you also use the, your distressor to turn your red wine into white wine? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, no, I use my uh, Yamaha T7 arrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, Rainy is keeping his wine pourer just in the background, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Never running out. If you, if, if, you, if you feel like I want to have some rosé, you just go with the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> Remixing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This sounds, this sounds very wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, word up, John. It's not what you, no, you have, true. it's what you yeah. make with it. Absolutely. Yeah. There was one question before with a, a name that I was uh, not even trying to attempt yeah. to pronounce. I think that's a troll name. <laughs> I'm sorry if it's re- your real name, but <laughs> it looks, look, looks like pretty Very random to me. Yeah. Um, that's quite interesting. What Was there any piece of gear that unlocked your understanding of how to shape your sound? That's uh, interesting. Was Maybe, uh, Robin, uh, you want to have a go at this? The thing that well, taught you the most. Back in the day, the, the, the equipment that I bought was like very simple, like the old mm. Roland stuff and all. But lately, it's been like uh, two machines. Uh, one of them is the, the Analog Rhythm, which is a nice drum synthesizer. So you can really synthesize mm. your drums from scratch. And the other one is a machine that I uh, seem to constantly be rediscovering. It's called the Rosbox. And that's this is what it looks like upside down. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, let, let, wait, let me turn and, my screen up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Some people are now, please, uh, when you watch it, uh, turn off your laptop, whatever. But it's a, it's a small uh, free oscillator uh, digital synthesizer with, uh, uh, yeah, uh, funny features like bit reduction and anti-aliasing on the filter and that kind of stuff. And you okay. can get uh, some really nice, uh, weird, interesting things uh, out of it. And actually, I uh, I took it to Jochem uh, one day, and you uh, you you jammed in it with it for like half an hour, and you already got stuff out of it that I've I've never gotten out of. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the Rosebox is one of these machines that definitely can teach you a lot about synthesis because it's it's got all the basic stuff and and some features that you don't find in uh, in, in other synths. Um, so it's 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 something if you if you really understand that machine, you can probably get your your head around uh, most other uh, yeah. analog synths, yeah. Cool. I mean, it's true. It's true for for most simple mono synths. You know, if once you understand the simple yeah. mono synth, uh, you can pretty much find your way around on on uh, on on most other uh, mono synths. You know, because the yeah, routing is usually quite thing. similar. Yeah, the signal path is usually quite similar. The, f the signal flow yeah, and stuff. Yeah. I think the one synth that I used uh, like the the most on my early stuff was the ESQ one, okay, mm. which is a very basic synthesizer. But you can create mm. everything. You can create like killer bass lines, beautiful warm pads and strings and pianos. Well, I don't know about pianos, but um, very warm like uh, synth stabs and like anything that's that that really anything like crazy uh, um, effects and stuff. And it's got um, a sequencer, right? I guess I, I, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's what I, I, I used to have one. <laughs> I traded it for the rack mount, but I remember the the full keyboard one had a, a very simple sequencer inside. Yeah, as possible. Yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's amazing. It's a beautiful piece of equipment. It's um, the, it is sample based, right? It is. Sem it's partly partly sample based, but yeah. the, the beautiful Wave table stuff as well. And the beautiful thing is that it has amazing analog filters, and it sounds mm. very crunchy in a way, almost like. The bit rate is like it's it's eight or twelve bits or something. I don't yeah. know what it is, but mm -hmm. it's and it's got this really beautiful stereo uh, panning and stuff, and like everything is just it's just amazing. And I, I I didn't have any money back in the day, so I, that's all I all I had. And th that was actually after I had the the Juno one hundred six, which I loved in the beginning, but I I kind of got very limited about that at some points. But yeah. the ESQ one, yeah, that's. And it, uh, I think the question was like, what teaches you the most about like synthesis and, and, and sound design, and how a synthesizer works? And that machine is designed perfectly. It's it's a very easy interface, even though there's no knobs on it. It's just uh, one slider and and a couple mm. of buttons. Like you can still navigate around really easily. Like it's it's beautiful. Yeah. Do you still use it? Yeah. I haven't used it for a while actually. Um, John from Duplex, he he com completely. Re um, Fixed it up. I, I actually have two because one one kind of was very crappy, and then I, I bought another one. And for some yeah. reason, I haven't used it so much. It's just you know, I don't know. Yeah, I should, but I'm, I have other stuff that I use. So. I have it like what you have with that. I have it with the one one, you know, the Royal one, SH one yeah. It's like very similar. Uh, like it's very easy at first, but you can do so much things with it. Yeah, like, uh, absolutely. Good. Yeah, the one one is just incredibly versatile. 
and, yeah. and, and only for live for me it's a bit sometimes too tricky because it has its own will like sometimes the tuning goes out of whack you know that kind yeah. of stuff or at least on mine uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a bit a tricky thing that if you use it for a couple of hours suddenly the LFO starts to do weird things and stuff it's, it's, uh, maybe I should get it surfaced <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, I mean it is true for it is true for for many um, analog scenes but um um, especially for the one on one, if you if you use the filter and you know filter if stuff all the way down, and it seems like the tonality also is going sort of it pitches down a little bit, you know. Yeah. yeah. So when when you have something and you think, ah, oh, okay, this is this is running nicely, and then and you turn up the filter and all the way all, all yeah. of a sudden you 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 recognize, oh man, this is like a, a semitone out of tune. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I was writing the tune button like when I use it live. Yeah, I'm just writing a tune button, whatever I do. You're 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 correcting it in real time. Compensating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But for me, the, f the favorite thing to do is like to put the resonance all the way up. It starts self oscillating, mm -hmm. and then to um, with the envelope, you can like sort of make these sub bases that move smoothly. Yeah, yeah. There's, for there's nothing that sounds like that. It's insane. In, in, do you, uh, do you use it? System. Do you use the internal sequencer? Because I I love that sequencer. I, I really really. Yeah, like I, I I I really do like them. Uh, but uh, somehow uh, live, I, I never wanted to touch the sequencer for the three hundred three or the one hundred one or the nine hundred nine. Okay. Even I use it just in MIDI. Uh, it has to do with the timing issues when you sync everything. Like I like to layer stuff, and uh, MIDI it's, it's it's possible to get it quite. Yeah, you can even get it sample accurate if you use audio to control MIDI. But uh, that's close to perfect if you have a nice setup and with the internal sequencers at some point especially if you play a bit longer everything starts to move around each other or for example with the 909 and uh, the 101 if you sync that um, uh, with the internal sequencer if Ableton has a hiccup at some point it's immediately out of sync like, yeah, you uh, have to stop it you have to stop it exactly so I, I always really? prefer me yeah okay uh, I don't know if I'm using it the same way then because uh, I, yeah. I use the, the trigger input of the sequencer and that's the trigger tr trigger is uh, sample accurate so that's yeah fine. that's what I mean yeah. Yeah. so so I yeah. never get uh, I, I'm always using it like that you know just trigger it with a, a pulse or a rim shot or whatever and then yeah but I just I go through the steps basically life. yeah uh, I have like a like a rec, uh, a rec mount uh, sound card that has eight outputs and I need them for a mixer so I don't have a separate one for uh, um, for triggering things Mm. And then I would have to bring another sound card, and it, yeah, it would be too much, you know. Mm. But it's better, like uh, uh, with these internal sequencers, they can freak out, you know. It's not what I want. When I yeah, <laughs> yeah, better be on the safe side for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, but it does so, give you a different perspective on uh, writing music. Always, when you're, for example, with a three or three, and, you, and you're uh, programming in a piano roll uh, of your computer. It's not going to sound now, you know. You really need the sequencer of a three or three makes you do things very differently. For yeah, true. Yeah. Because you have the slides and the accents. It's things that you really need to do first before you start programming like that in the piano. Mm. Mm. It's still like a pain to to program it. It's terrible. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. to be able to program something that you actually in, intend to program is no. Like, but that's the fun, man. It's like yeah. it's like halfway between intentional <laughs> yeah, and true. and. Uh, <laughs> It's it's half half halfway between intentional and random, you know. That's what it. Yeah, yeah. no, it's definitely. It's just, uh, keep on going until you find something you like, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I'm I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely. Uh, so yeah, there was one other thing. I saw, uh, when when you play your live sets, Randy, you have do you have um, uh, do you access do you treat like the order in which you play things uh, as a DJ set? Like, are you do you have a playlist, or do you just randomly think, okay, now I'm going to play this one? Now I'm going to. No, play no, no. I have, uh, I have like um, uh, from left to right, basically, if you scroll on Ableton, like on the left side, I have the, 
the decks, I call it. So this is where I can drag in the, the backing tracks. And then mm -hmm. uh, from left to right, it goes from uh, my newest tracks on the left. And you can scroll to the right and it goes like, uh, uh, yeah, in order of time. Because every week I add new things and it goes to the left. So the more I go to the right, I have my old stuff. And because, oh, okay. because so, play, so, yeah. so, so you kind so, of stash them up in, in sort of like a exactly. record box. Yeah, yeah, record yeah, it's box like a, There's like a, uh, audio tracks, like a full, of, uh, full of audios. And then when, I, when it's full, I just make a new audio track. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think one terabyte of backing tracks now in there. So basically since I started, everything is in there. And because you play it every weekend, you play a couple of times, I actually remember where everything is. So I think of this track and then I, I was about the same time as the other tracks and they're all different colors. So you just scroll and I recognize where it is. Mm -hmm. you know? so, um, okay. And then I, I just drag it in and I can go from there. I have to say that on the old stuff from like more than two or three years ago, I don't have the MIDI, so I have to then uh, uh, or not the, the good presets sometimes. So then I have a separate audio recording of the synths and I cannot edit the MIDI, for example, or I have to recreate it live. It was too much work to do that for what I did with the backing tracks for all the old stuff. Some of them I, don't, I don't, didn't do it. It's too much work to do that now, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, when, I, when I play, usually I, just before the gig, for example, when you're in the car and you get picked up by a promoter and you're going there, I was have all these ideas, yeah, I'm going to play this and that, and then I'm on stage and I just delete everything I thought of in the hotel and just do something else, you know. <laughs> I think it's always yeah. like that, though. That's the yeah, same yeah. Thing, yeah. Making yeah, you know, in tractor yeah, yeah. and, and thinking like, oh, I'm going to do this or that, or I'm going to yeah. play extra deep tonight, you know, and then you're in the club, <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, you need to be there and feel, feel the audience, you know? But yeah. uh, I actually yeah, started to, um, um, uh, to now always improvise. Like when I start, instead of playing something that I uh, thought of, I always uh, improvise now at the beginning because it gets you more in the mood to uh, to do something crazy, you know, and also to uh, to trigger your uh, how do you say? Yeah, like your creative uh, juices. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. just to begin with, with an uh, improvisation. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than uh, when I used to prepare all the intros, then it's really nice, but it's completely prepared, and then it's finished, and you're like, fuck what I'm going to do now because yeah. I have no idea. And <laughs> if you start with, uh, start with improvisation, maybe it is not as strong, but you're already going, and then it gets better, you know? Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. Question from Thijs at Rainier again. Is this the setup in the Mark Cantina, your biggest setup for a single gig? Oh, okay. So Thijs, so mm -hmm. you play somewhere, and he asks. Yeah, if that was your biggest setup ever. Uh, no, actually, the biggest, the biggest setup. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the biggest was, setup. Um, <laughs> I used to uh, uh, at illegal racer I played like ten years ago. Uh, I lived in Rotterdam then, and we had like a, a lot of raves at the uh, at Rotterdam Airport there in the uh, in the woods. How do you say? It? Like in the park there. Uh, and I used to bring uh, multiple analog mixers, all my hardware. And like, <laughs> it took me three <laughs> Yes. <laughs> nice. And uh, yeah, but uh, there was playing maybe for 20 or 30 people, but that was like the biggest setup ever. There was like five meters of equipment <laughs> and, and two boxes full of cables and stuff. Uh, but it also got me thinking like, I don't want to tour uh, with this. So uh, yeah. uh, when they use it's, it's like what I use every gig and that's for me like uh, uh, versatile enough uh, to do everything I want, but also small enough to get it set up in under uh, under an hour, you know, and to make sure mm -hmm. if something goes wrong that you know where it is. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, you want to be able to yeah. um, to connect everything in pitch dark with a bunch of crazy ravers running around you. You know, you have to yeah. you have to rely on that, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially if at some point you end up fucked up and you have to connect. That's really a challenge. <laughs> when you do it for the first time, <laughs> the stroboscope in your face. <laughs> so, Jochem, when um do you do you play mostly DJ sets now, or do you still? 
I mean, now, now, as in um, when you were still able yeah, to yeah. play. <laughs> um, well, yeah, actually, the 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 setup I used recent years is pretty much um, a tractor with four decks and an octatrack and some some controllers and uh, sometimes some sometimes I bring more stuff, but that's sort of the minimum the minimum setup. So yeah. I don't really DJ though. I mean, I I use other people's records, but it's. Um, it's heavily manipulated, you know, and I throw in own my own loops and I kind of program the Octatrack over top, you know, which is, I mean, I feel I feel like I'm cheating, man, if I'm just playing records, you know what I mean? Oh, really? It's like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel right to me. I always need some, I always need something to manipulate, if you know what I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I feel, I would feel, yeah, I mean, I have lots of respect for people who are actually, uh, who, who really can do the the sort of classical DJ thing, you know, with playing records, and I consider them more like selectors, you know. And I think that's it's great if you can do that. But uh, to me, it feels like uh, if I would do it, it feels like I'm uh, not doing enough, you know, relying too much on on, on other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, have I, uh, yeah. I have the same. I have the same. Yeah. 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 Does, doesn't mean that right? you. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you therefore. Uh, feel more like a producer than a, than a DJ or no I don't feel like any of the two I don't I I, I just show up and and, and uh, you know <laughs> performer yeah yeah <laughs> I'm I mean, sorry I just show up I don't I, no I'm but I mean put you in a box Jochen <laughs> no but I, you know you know what I mean right you know I mean why why would you you know why would you uh, you know put a name tag on it it's it is something in between DJing well, I think and they're playing. two very different things you know and 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 uh, yeah, a long time true. ago there were there were the DJs and they didn't make music and the other way around as well and that was that was just the status quo that was kind of how it was and there was maybe a very small amount of people that were able to do both but it was mostly DJs having a <laughs> someone next to them doing all the work um, and 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 of course in recent years it's it's been um, like there's hardly it's kind of turned around like 180 degrees there's hardly any DJs that uh, don't don't uh, um, make music or producers that don't DJ. Well, you know the way the way I see. Pretend that they make music. I think and for you guys that doesn't yeah. count, but most of the guys that actually fake it, right? So I think it's still the same in that respect. Yeah, yeah I guess I maybe yeah. maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. know. I, mean, I mean, I'm not thinking about the the, the big EDM or like the big. I'm just thinking mm. about the, the yes, you are. somewhat more <laughs> incredible. <laughs> I'm thinking about all the all the lovely people watching this uh, stream today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but, but I, I think it's pretty for the music you play. Uh, like in your case, like uh, uh, the music that you do is like also really suited to improvise with and to get crazy with. It's it's more minimalistic and more groove related, and yours really plays like tracks with a with a big arrangement and, and a lot of melody. So it's also like well, harder. You get yeah to yeah, combine sometimes. four of those, you know. Like it's also very different to combining like this more straightforward and trippy techno. I think. It yeah, is, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can you can look at it from whatever way you you yeah, want yeah. And, and and try to categorize or whatever. But the thing is, all what what we are what are doing is basically we show up and we entertain the room, right? And and I don't really. If you you know, no matter what tools you use and what your setup is and your approach, whatever. If you if you uh, can give people an experience and and have fun yeah. along the way i think that's the most important thing you know definitely yeah 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 true. um so anyway but yeah it's um it's the uh for me it's it's the freedom to be able to adjust things on the fly and kind of put my signature 
on it uh, that makes me yeah. want to work this way. I don't I don't like uh, just standing there and and you know select records. Although I don't have anything against it, but it's just not my way of doing things. Yeah. Put your hands in the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, showing off my uh, my nice uh, um, shirt. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's funny how how this all became, um, you know, how how the rules or conventions creeped in, and I, I still don't really, I'm not really bothered by them, if you, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I was just uh, zooming out to see what time we are living. It's um, uh, it's almost two hours. I mean, we can go as long as we want, but uh, you know, two hours is sort of the the length that we are. Um, doing these chats for so um, yeah. maybe this is a good time to do some housekeeping calls um, uh, if people want to ask more questions who are watching this on Twitch or maybe on YouTube now's the time. maybe now is the time <laughs> yes, indeed yeah. and the now other thing is the other thing is I would like to encourage people to have a look at our Discord server we have set up this uh, community <coughs> on Discord where now by now I think about the thousand people um, are hanging out and um there's always um, probably around a hundred online at the same time discussing th things, pretty much the same things that we are discussing here. You know, just talk about gear, making music, pro you know, process, uh, inspiration, whatever. It's a nice place to hang out. So if you want to continue the conversation with us, uh, you can come over and hang out there. It's a nice place. It's fun. And um, yeah, so if if people have. Um, urgent things to ask us to it now here we go christian pachters will and that yours, be yours um yes actually i i mean uh, uh created like this this track um a couple of tracks like uh two three years ago maybe three four years ago already and we haven't released it yet it's um he was doing a kind of a dogmatic project which is going to be called Dogma at some point as well, but um, where he, he goes in the studio or, yeah, goes in the studio with an artist, they take one piece of equipment mm -hmm. and, and create a track out of that. So we used an old PSS 380 or something, like a very childish uh, Yamaha synthesizer in my studio. And it was really nice. <laughs> uh, we created some crazy track, but just never released it so far. So... Um, Okay, only, yes, only we, using, only using that synth. Also, yeah, that was the plan. I mean, to be honest, I think we cheated a bit by. Uh, uh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really, it's kind of difficult making actual bass drum from that <laughs> machine. Everything else is possible, even the hi hats. You know the machine, uh, Jochem? No, which one is it? It's not a it's, C from a CS gonna, series. Let me just let me just get it quickly because it's a fun thing. <laughs> I like how you describe childish. <laughs> childish, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you pro I think it mean, means that it's a toy or something. Yeah, toyish, yeah. Toyish. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, one of those, yeah. Ah, yeah. So this thing. Okay. It's, it's kind well. of broken. Um, do you know this? Have you seen this before? I've never used them, but I, I, yeah, I know, I, I know. It's a bit like a workstation, yeah. no? No, well, I've I wouldn't seen them call around. it a workstation. It's more like, okay. a, like first, my first Sony kind of synthesizer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really is. Uh, it's also falling apart. But um, and they, they, why, they, why did you choose this one then? Like, why um, did you choose because for this? I don't know because it's uh, it's uh, because it's uh, 
It was a fun idea. It's a crazy synthesizer that actually does some really nice things. You can you can also hack it and you so can it's make not a pre, it. So it's not a preset box, it's an actual synth. It, then. it is an actual synth in a way, but you can mm. you can there's, there's there's faders and stuff and you can change the sound and it's it's a bit like a D, like a DX7 um, but with faders uh, and very basic. But you can Is it uh, FM? I think so, yeah, it's FM. Okay, cool. It's an it's an amazing thing. Like it's it's you can okay. make really great dub dub techno chords. It just doesn't have any media or anything, so it's <laughs> it's really intended. Okay. As a, <laughs> it's not intended as a studio uh, piece of equipment. But yeah, we we use this and we got some really crazy sounds out of it. I put it in Ableton. Um, uh, yeah, we still have to uh, finish it, I guess. Cool. That's a long, long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, nice. <laughs> and and you, and you told me on uh, on WhatsApp you finally uh, found uh, the WaveStation AD. Have you? I have did. You, yes. Have you used it yet? I have used it, um, not in the way that I intended to use it, which mm. was uh, by using it as a, a kind of effects box, mm. which is how you used it when we did our session together. Um, but it's a it's it's such a beautifully sounding uh, machine, you know. Like it's, I just can't get over how beautiful these 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 machines from like the mid '90s, early '90s, how how well they sound and how still they stood the test of time so well. Even if it's just like a a single bass sound, you know. Like there's such a wide range. There's something in high frequencies, mid and low. It's all it's all digital, of course. It's wavetable. But it's beautiful stuff, um, and I really intend to dig deeper. I do have the WaveStation SR. I've had that for a long time, but that's more like a preset box. Mm. I think this this thing is a bit more uh, interesting in some ways. But yeah, we'll it's it's more encouraging to 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 kind of uh, design your own sounds on it. Yeah, if you spend some time with it, you can you can choose different route routings, and and the effect section is pretty powerful. So it's it's pretty cool. It's um, it is wavetable, but it doesn't sound harsh as some other wavetable synths do. You know, it yeah, sound, can sound pretty warm and very moody, and um, it's it's um, it doesn't take too long to uh, to actually get your own sounds going. You know, some some sound some synths. You know, it takes you forever to. Mm, you know, yeah. to to design a sound on it, but this this one is still pretty quick. You can, yeah, uh, you can uh, get good results in a fairly short time. Ah, oh, then there's another question from uh, Max Ferdinand. Uh, a production question: yeah, Is there a way the, to yeah. hack the Juno 106 and use the chorus as an effect? I don't know. I don't mm. know. Yeah, I think maybe, so. maybe. If, if you really hack it, and you hardware-wise, you solder things. You know. I think the you Juno. Can, but I think the Juno uh, chorus exists as a separate box. Yeah, yeah you can buy it. Yeah, yeah, it's also a separate pedal. Yeah. It's yeah. also a free plugin that actually copies it almost. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, yeah. And, and there's yeah. also, there is also um, um, a key, the Kiwi mods on the on the Juno 106. I don't know if that maybe has an audio input. I don't know. I've, I don't have the mine Kiwi modded, but I'm hmm. pretty sure most modifications do provide uh, an audio input maybe have a look at that i don't know um moon motel official asks yours how do you how to tackle, tackle remix? remix oh man i get this question so many times uh, and, and it's a re it's a great question um but it really depends on the original i just did a remix for london grammar for instance which is like a very poppy band from uh, mm. london i guess um london grammar yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and 
and then you know you just it's if it's a vocal track and they want you to remix it then they kind of usually don't want you to mangle it and sound sound like some kind of modular synthesizer uh, session 12 hours long so then uh, you kind of have to respect the original parts original melodies in some kind of way mm-hmm. um if it's another track that is that that is more techno oriented you can really just do anything that it, 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 you just take like one little bit of of a, of one of the stems and you start messing around with that um i really do like remixing vocal tracks it's um uh, or pop tracks even it kind of gives you uh, freedom to play around with some some well written uh, vocals hopefully and uh and kind of rearrange them and in in a way that it fits your own music as well as a i guess more like house techno producer um it's it's it can also be uh a, a bit limiting because you do feel that there's pressure from a label to make to to deliver something that that actually fits the fits kind of their expectations <laughs> one last question for everyone besides me yeah go go uh, <laughs> 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 I have no idea <laughs> okay well cheers to cheers to uh, to Reinier oh, cheers to yours as well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys too <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah I guess uh that sums it up. Unless you have, um, usually we do we do the the a, a round of plugging uh, projects uh, at the end. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I'll start by saying, uh, if people like this uh, um, stream and uh, learn a lot from it, uh, check out our Patreon page because there's uh, stuff you can get from there. We do sound packs and even masterclasses and stuff like that. So. If you like it, uh, head over there and check what it's about. And uh, I've mentioned the Discord server, so um, if you're interested in uh, having being involved in more producers talk and uh, hanging out with uh, with um, knob twiddlers around the world, uh, have a look there. Um, uh, I would say, yeah, that's that's kind of my plug for for today. Robin, uh, do you have anything coming up you want to talk about? Well, uh, working on some projects that I'm not able to disclose here <laughs> yet. <laughs> but <laughs> fair enough. Uh, also, well, uh, everyone know that it's supposed to be ADE this week, which is of course uh, very different than other years. So uh, I won't play at any clubs, but I am doing a live stream uh, tomorrow and another live stream on Saturday. Uh, Saturday is for Welcome to the Future Festival, and for tomorrow is for uh, Radio Station Amsterdam's Most Wanted. And uh, yeah, that's basically uh, yeah what uh, the near future holds for me now. Nice, nice. So yeah, I encourage everybody to have a look at what Robin's uh, doing. What What about you, uh, Rainier? Anything coming up that you want to share here? Uh, for any I mean, uh, anything, anything, any, anything. Uh, yeah, not really, actually. Uh, no. Okay, yeah. yours. Yeah. More, more wine. More wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, um, uh, yeah, maybe yours. You have something you want to you want to share? Yeah, what, um, <laughs> plenty of things. Um, I've I've been very busy in this in this studio here, writing a lot of tracks, um, doing a lot more like stuff with my uh, synthesizers. Something I actually haven't been been doing for for a long time. 
because you know the traveling always um just having a few hours during the week to do studio stuff and writing albums and stuff you just i just my my my, my window has been just this computer which i'm streaming from now and it's nice to kind of step away from that um mm. as a result i've written a lot more like techno sounding tracks and because it's just too many tracks and it's too much music, I've just like Vanier is saying, like I, I'm starting to starting a new um, uh, alias as well, which is great because nice. it gives me a, uh, a lot more like freedom. You know, it feels like more techno um, or yeah, more techno stuff. I mean, it's not going to nice. be like yeah. like 150 BPM shrons, but <laughs> it's no, going to be more like you know, kind of like yeah. like like classic sounding techno um, uh, and and. Yeah, I'm really enjoying that. Besides that, I've, I just made a new mix CD, which features a collaboration with me and Jochem Spidij, uh, which I'm really excited about. Um, nice. And hopefully, Jochem, uh, we we will be able to release an EP from the uh, material that we uh, yeah, recorded did you, together. Did you get back in into the recordings from from that? Well, I remember there was some really sort of dubby halftime yeah. stuff. Yeah, which, so I think you I, did. Sounded nice. Yeah. You did press the the halftime button during the session, <laughs> <laughs> and then we. From that was going, just to confuse you. It <laughs> was, was actually really nice. From going like straight techno, we went into to dub like right away. <laughs> this flick of a switch. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting material. I would love to 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 see how you would be able to to give your take on the material that, that we have and see if we you know can create like two three tracks. And sure. Put that out. Let's go for it. Amazing. Awesome. So that's everybody's plug round then. So um, all I need to say then is thank you for watching and thanks for the people. Thanks to the people on YouTube and on Twitch to um, join us and uh, sending us all the questions. And uh, it was great hanging out with uh, with all of you. Absolutely, and, guys. Uh, nice us. Yeah. Great, great to see you. And hopefully yeah, uh, sometime nice. soon in real life again. Yeah. Absolutely. At some point, somewhere, sometime. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Was this the last one, uh, Jochem, or something? Was that last one? What last? Not Twiddlers, or the, this is no. just ongoing projects? Yeah, yeah. This is this okay. is uh, this is for life, man. For life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll be back. No, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> no, we we will definitely continue doing these. It's my, it's sort of my That's night cool. out in the pub. You know, it's like uh, hanging out <laughs> with uh, hanging out with friends and colleagues and uh, just chatting about music. Is, <laughs> Twiddling knobs. It sounds really true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we 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 will maybe uh, maybe we're thinking about uh, uh, continuing um, uh, the jams that we we did twenty of the stay home sound system jams uh, here in the studio, but uh, we just finished an experiment with uh, Robin and I did uh, did an online version. So syncing our hardware over the internet and and uh, wow. we'd, we basically just yeah. did it as a proof of concept. Oh, really? And yeah. uh, and it works. So so it's uh, that's yeah. definitely a yeah. thing that I want oh, to explore. Crazy. We'll do another one. Robert and I it will do another one. It was a lot one. of fun. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do another yeah. one soon, and then uh, basically from that moment on, I, I can invite people uh, who cannot physically reach the studio but still want to to do a stream and and just jam. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's that's a thing that uh, that we're exploring right now, and that will probably um, yeah come by uh, on on Twitch and YouTube uh, very soon. So keep an eye out for that. Nice. Anyway, so yeah, thanks again, guys. It was fun. 
Thank you. Yeah, uh, have a Absolutely. good evening. Enjoy your night. And thanks for hanging out. Likewise. Ciao, ciao. See you guys soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay. <laughs> See you soon. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Zabba, <it's> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>